It's a book called Romans, and it's written to the city, the church in the city of the capital of the ancient empire at the time of Paul the Apostle. What a great book. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. That's what we read today in about five minutes. We're going to talk about Romans chapter 2. Now, this is a very interesting time, so get ready for that. In about 20 minutes, Ryan's coming up, Ryan. All right, well, since we're starting the book of Romans today, I'm going to be looking at one of the most iconic symbols of Imperial Rome, the Colosseum. Excellent. Janice? Today, God has no favorites. All right, that's true. That's coming up in about 25 minutes. Now, Calvin, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Excellent. Very good. We're going to talk to Calvin Smith. He's going to do a great job here. We're talking about answers in Genesis. But right now, let's focus our attention on what God is saying. Open up your Bibles and let's learn. Romans 2. 17 through 29. Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, Do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29. You know, as we continue to go through the New Testament of the Bible, uh, we read today Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. This is interesting. Now, when, when I speak to people about faith in Jesus Christ, they most often think I'm talking about a set of rules to follow. But when I talk about my faith, I'm talking about 
a living and an active relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, we need to be clear about who we're speaking of when we talk about God. We're talking about the one true God who gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to pay the cost of our sins and to make a way for us to be reconciled back to God as our heavenly father. Now, Jesus is the only way we can make our lives right with God. Remember that following a set of rules is man's way of making relationship with God, but Jesus is God's way to restore a relationship with us. Now, the Apostle Paul speaks about these kinds of legalistic religions in our reading today when he writes to the church in the capital of the city at Rome. What an amazing passage, the book of Romans. That's what we begin today as we start. Let me say, first of all, that turn your Bible guide to that. If you don't have a Bible guide, write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. It'll take you to a page that will download the Bible guide. We have thousands of people who do that. Let me say as well, thank you for your donations. Uh, Your donations are very, very specific and special right now. We use them to fulfill the needs of firing up the cameras, putting the lights on, taping this, or not taping, I say taping from the old days, but putting this on a drive and all of that. The editors are here and they're trying to put it together. So thank you for your donations. You've made a choice during this time. And the choice is that God's word is important to you. So thank you for that. And as we look at this particular passage, we're going to talk about Romans. Now, this is fascinating because Romans begins with a greeting from Paul, and then God's good news, but then God's anger at sin. Very interesting. And then God's judgment of sin, and then the Jews and the law. He begins that discussion about the Jews and the law and the Christians and the law and all of that. And that's what we're into today. The truth about the false religions. Father, help us today as we delve into this and as we begin to explore what you've said. Because we need to hear this, especially right now when people are running around looking for something to believe in. Help us to hear you. Help us to hear your word. Uh, we, We don't want to take our ideas and put them here, but we want you to change our heart. Help us to hear you, Holy Spirit, today. We love you and we need to hear you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if, you, if you're like me, you're hard to change and you're kind of stubborn in your ways, but the Holy Spirit is definitely more powerful than us and he can help us go. And he always does it so well. Anyway, here is the scripture. Let's read chapter two, verse 17. It says, indeed, you are called a Jew and the rest on the law and, and you rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will, and approve of the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident in that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do not teach yourself. You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? 
You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through the breaking of the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Wow, Paul's really direct on this. Paul exposes hypocrisy when he said that some were not living what they taught and required of others. Now, Jesus gives us the ability to live rightly when we follow and obey him. Beloved, listen carefully. When we come to Christ and give our life to Christ, he brings the Holy Spirit in and that Holy Spirit helps us to change. You see, when we become a Christian, we are born again and we change. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, there's one verse we need to look at here because this is interesting. Verse 25. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Wow. Following the rules for the sake of rules, tradition, or religion is not the answer. Relationship with Jesus Christ is the answer. Beloved, that's what we need to say. Again, I tell you, when I speak of faith in God, God has taken over. God is always with me, yet I'm never crowded. Yet I'm never alone. God knows how to handle me because he made me and created me. And beloved, if you don't have that relationship, you need to come to Jesus Christ. Because only he is the, the savior of your soul. Only he is your soulmate. He made you and he created you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. So we need to pay attention to that. All right, now let's go back to the scripture and learn some more. In Romans chapter 2, verse 26, it says, Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the religious requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision, our transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Now, beloved, listen carefully. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He's the fulfillment of it. When we follow Jesus Christ, the law of God is written in our hearts. Now, you hear me say this at the beginning of the teaching all the time. Lord, we want to read your word and let it change us. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, Lord, change our hearts. The Holy Spirit changed our hearts so we hear you. And following Jesus Christ is a relationship with the one and only. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, come to him today. It's so simple. You need to come to Christ and pray and close your eyes to lock everybody else out and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I need you today and I believe you died on the cross. We crucified you. But you rose again on the third day and paid the cost of sin. And if we take you in our lives, you will change everything in us. And you'll give us help out of those addictions. Give us help out of all the problems. Help us today. Be with us today. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said, make it so, or amen. This is something very important. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, since we're in the book of Romans today, I want to look at one of the most iconic and well-known structures of Imperial Rome, the Colosseum. The Romans may have been brutal, but they were brilliant engineers. Check it out. Although partially in ruins now due to earthquake damage and stone robbers, the Colosseum is still an iconic symbol of Imperial Rome. Emperor Vespasian had given the order to build the massive amphitheater, then called Amphitheatrum Flavium, and construction began in AD 72. Interestingly, it was funded with the precious metals and materials the Romans had sacked from the Jewish temple during the famous siege of AD 70. And in fact, it would be 12,000 Jewish captives who would be the ones forced to build it. It was an eight-year project requiring more than 6,000 tons of concrete and very large stone blocks, which were quarried 20 miles away. Unlike many earlier amphitheaters, which had been dug into hillsides to provide adequate support, the Colosseum was a freestanding structure. The distinctive exterior had three stories of arched entrances, a total of around 80, supported by semicircular columns. In fact, its outer wall is estimated to have used over 3.5 million cubic feet of travertine stone, held together with iron clamps rather than mortar. By the end of it, the colossal building rose to a height of 160 feet and stretched 620 feet long and 513 feet wide, making it the largest and tallest Roman building ever. Indeed, the Colosseum could seat upwards of 80,000 people and had many features of a modern-day stadium. Tickets, for example, much like today, were used for designated seating. Also inside were 110 drinking fountains and two large restrooms to accommodate the fans. Roman engineers even designed a retractable roof, which could be raised and adjusted to control light and airflow. Also, like our stadiums today, with such massive crowds, quick evacuation of the venue was essential. Interestingly, the Roman architects adopted solutions very similar to those used in modern stadiums to deal with the same problem. The amphitheater was ringed by 80 entrances at ground level, 76 of which were used by ordinary spectators. But the most astonishing component of the Colosseum was its water feature. Indeed, in addition to the gladiatorial contests and the reenactments of famous battles and dramas based on classical mythology, Mock sea battles also took place. For this, the arena was completely flooded. A nearby aqueduct supplied the water, and when the battle was finished, it was expelled through pipes connected directly to the city's sewer system. Though now somewhat ravaged by time, this masterfully engineered amphitheater still stands witness to the intelligence of the ancient Romans, for the Colosseum is still considered a wonder to this day.
So if you know me, you know that one of my passions is studying the ingenious technologies that were developed by our ancient ancestors all over the world. Why? Well, not only is it really fun and fascinating, but it helps to confirm biblical history, believe it or not. See, unlike the theory of evolution, which would expect our ancient ancestors to be less evolved and less sophisticated and not as intelligent as we are, we find many examples of very ancient artifacts which were clearly developed by people as at least as intelligent as we are. As a matter of fact, they present such a problem for evolution that these ancient human relics have been dubbed out-of-place artifacts, or uparts for short. Of course, they aren't out of place at all in biblical history. We should expect our ancient ancestors to be at least on the same level cognitively, because like us, they too were created by God in his image. Neither we nor our ancestors evolved. We've always been human. Now, if you are interested, I produced a two-hour documentary on this subject called 30 Out-of-Place Artifacts. And if you don't have it, then I really want to encourage you to get it. Simply call or write to us or go online to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And if you do decide to get it via our website, then you can choose between a physical or a digital copy. It is a great element. I love that one. That's excellent. And I've watched it a couple of times. It is really good. So I recommend it highly. Janice. Yes. Romans chapter 2 is the, the, the place that we're taking a look at today in our study. My key verse, for there is no partiality with God. That's Romans 2 verse 11. And Paul is, is uh, speaking to hypocrisy here. And he's saying, you know, are you telling people not to steal? Do you steal? Are you telling people not to commit adultery? But do you? And what that reminded me of, Rod, was the story in John 8, where the religious leaders bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And they're standing around. They, they were trying to test Jesus to see what he would do with this woman. And Jesus, almost acting as though he wasn't listening to them, stooped down and he began to write in, in, the, in the sand. And um, they're saying, you know, what are you going to do? The, the, the law of Moses says this and that. And, and Jesus just stood up and basically said, all right, whoever has not sinned, you cast the first stone. And then he stooped down again and began to write in the sand. And the scripture says that from the oldest to the youngest, their own conscience began to, to hound away at them because they knew that none of them there was without sin. And that's like you and I. And when I think about this, the amazing grace that God has for us in this time, especially in these days, we should not be accusers of people. We need to be encouragers. We need to bring the hope and the love that God shows for each and every one of us. Me being such a person that needs grace I need to also look upon people and have that same grace. And it's tough. It's tough to do. We have to have God's Holy Spirit in us to be able to help us to love. It's easy to love lovable people, isn't it? But not so easy to love those that are... Your enemy. Or somebody that just gets on you. You know, that, that yeah. just there's there are those kinds of situations. But we are called to grace. We are called to love. And we are called to serve each other. And we're called to be a reflection of who God is. And I love, if you didn't catch Friday's program, where our special guest was uh, made his first appearance, he gave a wonderful testimony to that. So if you can go back on our website and check that day out, that was Friday's program. It's very good. Yeah, very it is. Good. And one of the things I want to say is when we're in social media today, 
uh, everybody doesn't, they, they want to say what they think. They That's think, right. they think. Yet mm -hmm. the Bible tells us that God says, listen, I need you to back off and I need you to understand how I think. Mm -hmm. And so we read the Bible to change our thinking, not to put our thinking exactly. reinforced in it. Exactly. And uh, that becomes very important. Anyway, Calvin Smith is here. Calvin's with Answers in Genesis Canada. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, I, I need to know, we, we met back in the day. I don't know, how many years ago was that? 2006? Brother, it's got to be 15 uh, years ago or <laughs> something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. It's been a lot a of changes time. in here. <laughs> it's been a long time. And, and uh, when I met you, I was very impressed with how you presented and all of that and heard where you came from. But you are involved in talking about Genesis. Now, mm -hmm. in a couple of months, we're going to start Genesis in, in, right. in a month and a half. Actually, in about a month and three weeks. And uh, Genesis is very important. What is it that you do in Answers in Genesis? You're the executive director, but what does Answers in Genesis do? Right. Well, I mean, um, most people are familiar with Answers in Genesis because of the U.S., because of Ken Ham, right? Most people would... would uh, know the ministry from that or perhaps they've gone down to the incredible ark encounter right the life-size noah's ark they built there or the creation That's museum or whatever yeah uh, we don't have that in canada uh <laughs> yes <laughs> but anyway um yeah i mean really many people misconstrue what the ministry is all about they're like oh you guys are the guys that argue against evolution or you argue against you know millions of years or you take the young earth position things like that and of course we do talk about those things but the purpose of the ministry is to uphold the authority of the Word of God. Uh, and, and many people don't really understand, well, what is that about then? Because these things you talk about, dinosaurs and stuff, all Christian doctrines, you know, directly or indirectly, are founded in the book of Genesis. And the culture war that we see happening today, whether it's, you know, sanctity of life issues, whether it's identity issues, whether it's, you know, things like traditional marriage, things like that. If you were to, to defend, let's say, traditional marriage, how would you do that as a Christian? You could quote Jesus. Remember Jesus talking about marriage and he said, have you not read that from the beginning of the creation he created the male and female? Okay, so where's Jesus quoting from? Genesis directly, right? God created the two become one flesh. This is the doctrine of marriage. This is what Jesus is referring to. So all of the, the New Testament writers, you know, um, referred to Genesis in a literal sense as their authority for whatever doctrine they, they happen to, you know, why is, why are we not just animals? That's what the story of evolution would teach. Well, we are created in the image of God. As a matter of fact, Adam, the first man was given dominion over the, uh, the world. He actually named the animals, right? And he found out what, what did he find out? Oh, there's, there's no one here like me. We are not animals. We're created in the Im image of God. So, you know, yeah, you can have chicken for uh, for supper. You can kill kill an animal, but babies are human beings. Human beings mm -hmm. from the you get half your DNA from mom, half your DNA from dad. As soon as that comes together, you've got a new life there. And whether it's it's in the in the womb or whether it's uh, uh, at your oldest point, the day before you pass away, you're a human being. You're not you're not an animal. Um, so all of the doctrines that we hold dear, many Christians seem to have forgotten that they're all founded in the book of Genesis. So if you're telling people that Genesis doesn't have to be taken as plainly written, I'm sorry, it becomes hard to defend the authority of Scripture in all areas. So that's really what the ministry is about. How many times had, has Jesus said, 
as it is written. Mm -hmm. And and when you begin to study what he said and how he said it, he's always quoting the Bible. Absolutely. And what's he quoting? He's quoting the Old Testament. Yeah. The New Testament's not written. Yeah. So <laughs> take that passage, for example. Have you not read that he who created, created male and female, right? And the two become one flesh. I mean, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. To say to them, have you not read? Like, that's the biggest backhanded slap he, you know, he, he could have given them. Of course they've read. Some of these people could recite Deuteronomy off by heart. Mm-hmm. Of course they've read, but they haven't understood. This is what it, his point being. But uh, yeah, many Christians today haven't made that link, you know, between the importance of taking Genesis as plainly written, where it talks about the first Adam who sinned and rebelled against God, which is why there's bad things in the world and why Jesus came and he was the last Adam he came to to you know restore things so yeah which which adam isn't important they're both important yeah that's true and one of the things that people would say is that, you know there there are individuals who are progressive creationists and so on and they say well god used the big bang mm-hmm. you know god used the millions of years and all of that yeah. and we'll talk about that on the next program we'll yeah encourage the people that we're going to talk about that on the next program yeah and it's important to hear the authority of God's word and the, to establish what does that mean? Because mm-hmm. if we are reading the Bible, we're reading it as God's word. And on right. this program, that's what we do. So mm-hmm. on the next program, let's talk about that. Spiders, poisonous spiders. Mm. Let's talk about... Why is there bad things in the world? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Let's talk about mosquitoes. How about great white sharks? Violate the premise of Genesis <laughs> 9. And yeah, great white sharks that tear you apart and... So all of these things are very, very interesting. And on the next program, we'll cover all of that. But I wanted to encourage you. And if you if you have friends or if you have people who'd be interested in this, maybe you yourself, call them and tell them on the program, this is what's going to happen. Or if you're on the internet, then email them or talk to them or message them, whatever it takes, and get them aboard. Because we're going to be talking about this over the next few days. We talk about it frequently, usually about once a year when we get into it in Genesis. Uh, it's in January. And we're going to be doing that as well. But anyway, make sure you do that right now. Let's get back to the program and we'll focus more on prayer. And we'll think about these prayer requests that have been brought in. Today we need to pray, and as we do, let's think about what we've just seen. People have written to us and given us their prayer request, and we have a prayer meeting every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV. Join us, and we'll pray for you too. But let's pray this way. Lord, I give my heart and my life to seek your ways and not try to follow my own ways. Help me, Holy Spirit, today. Amen. Amen. 